welcome back to Beyond Well. I'm Sheila Hamilton, and this week I'm talking with Dr. Jenna Lejeune about the stress so many of us are feeling from COVID-19 and the impact on our economic health. Jenna, it's so good to see you again from your closet. Thanks for continuing to do this. Oh, happy to see you too in my cozy little closet here. I um, I was just reading a new Gallup poll um, when this started, I think in the first two weeks, Gallup asked Americans how many people were concerned about their finances, and it was like only 30%. And uh, now that rate is up to 80%. Oh, so, wow. Um, so, so the amount of economic stress is impacting a, a much larger swath of Americans, and you see it in the number of people who have filed for unemployment benefits, I think another 5 million um, uh, applied this week. So. I want to talk about some of the things that we can do to try to get um, a sense of control back because I don't know if that's true, but my guess is that this is very much playing on our lack of control over anything. And COVID has done that so much to us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And even if you can do things to try and control your own physical safety, your own like health by quarantining and limiting your access to other people and that sort of stuff. A lot of the financial stuff feels like it's out of your control. You know, you're watching the stock market or you've lost your job and that's out of control and there aren't other jobs to get right now. So it absolutely um, feels like a huge loss of control and psychologically the loss of control for people. Um, that dynamic is just really, really difficult for humans to deal with. I want to talk first, Jenna, if we can just have a conversation with people who have um, become unemployed, how they can address both the unemployment and then address how you feel about being unemployed. <laughs> because, you know, being unemployed, and I've been there before, it is not a fun place to be. Yeah, yeah. And we're, we're really at unprecedented levels of people all of a sudden becoming unemployed. And again, that's this like control piece that you brought up is that people were not expecting this. People who felt like they had very stable jobs all of a sudden woke up and, you know, the next week they are asking for food at the food bank. Mm -hmm. And we know that losing your job and having a really significant financial distress is hard on our bodies and it's hard on our psyche. Yeah. Um, people who have lost their job are twice as likely to report depression and anxiety. There's higher levels of substance use. And in fact, losing your job, when you look at the psychological measures of life's most stressful events, losing your job is actually one of the most stressful events a human can go through. It's right up there with things like death of a close family member, divorce, spending time in jail, wow, and losing a job. Like those are all kind of in the top group of most stressful things for humans. And so I just want to like let people know that what you're experiencing is really hard. Mm. But there are things that you can do um, to help mitigate some of those difficulties. So let's talk about some of those. I mean, the first thing, obviously, is applying for unemployment. But I will speak for myself when I became unemployed is that I, I 
was reluctant to do it because of my own bias about it, that I didn't want to be taking government subsidies when I knew there were people that were in much worse situation than I was. So there's this weird comparable suffering we need to deal with first. And then secondly, it is so difficult. The process itself when you're depressed is really time consuming and you have to pay attention. You have to be on it. And I found it overwhelming. Absolutely. And, and it really does, it, it really does feel overwhelming for people. And I think the point you made um, earlier is really important too. It can be a real identity shift for people. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens when you lose a job is for many of us, our, our jobs are a big source of meaning and purpose and identity. And so applying for unemployment necessitates this identity shift of, oh, I'm somebody who needs this. Uh -huh. And that's a hard shift. Yeah. So one of the things I will say to people is it's similar to eating when you're depressed. Many people just say, I just don't have the energy. I just don't feel like it. Mm. And I sort of say, you can't trust your brain on this one. You just can't trust your brain. You just have to know this is something you absolutely have to do. Mm -hmm. um, you have to eat. You have to go through the steps of filing for unemployment. Yeah. And then Sheila, your point about, you know, there's more people out there who, who need this. What I would say to people is if that is how you feel, then apply for your unemployment. And then when you are back on steady ground, then do something to be able to give back to those who haven't yet gotten on steady ground. Mm. It's a little bit like putting your mask on first in the airplane. This will help you get on stable ground so that then you can help other people as well. Wow, that's a beautiful, beautiful sentiment. So looking for new job opportunities in this era of COVID comes with this added complication, which is many people, especially those who are furloughed, say, well, I don't want to take a job at Amazon if I might get back to be able to have my job that was a much better paying job. So how do you work with these, this kind of gig economy mindset in this new paradigm? Um, I think taking a job even temporarily right now, I think that that can help in many ways, not just financially, but it also can help you psychologically. It can give more structure to your life. It can help give you a sense of like, okay, I'm doing something here. And that actually is going to put you in a better position for when your old job or other jobs open up. And so what I've been suggesting to people is certainly look for other jobs right now. And if there isn't another job for you, be spending that time putting yourself in a better position for when jobs do open up. Mm. So that's things like expanding your training, expanding your education, doing things like networking. And so you might even think of a temporary job as ways to expand your skill set mm. so that when other jobs open up, you're ready to go. Yeah. The next step is one that I have to say I was a complete failure at because uh, the idea of creating a budget when you know how limited the resources are was so utterly depressing. And so I just did this kind of laissez-faire like, okay, what do I really, really, really need, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then one by one sort of called them. But if I'd actually looked at my bank account and said, 
I think it would have been actually a lot better to have that listing of where the money goes to be able to say, no, I do not need that. No, I do not need that. As I did it, it was a catastrophic, bizarre way of handling <laughs> the budget. And it's because it's avoidance. You're avoiding those things yeah. that remind you of how dire it is, right? Yeah, and a lot of us don't have training around how to set budgets and look at that stuff. And so it does feel very overwhelming and we just want to avoid it. And so that's where I would say structure can be very helpful. Use something like one of the free apps, um, Mint or Acorns or, or one of these that actually turn it into more of a game yeah. where you can kind of track your progress rather than just look at the overwhelming kind of scary situation. And then the other thing I would suggest is develop, I'm calling them budget buddies, but like financial friends or budget buddies where you meet once a week over Zoom or whatever it is with friends to just talk about like, hey, I figured out this cool thing that I could cut back on. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And so that you're not in this alone because it can feel so overwhelming to just look at your bank account and think, oh my God, here are my bills. Here's my bank account. It's just too much. And then you put your head yeah. in the sand. Yeah. I love that idea of shifting the mindset from, oh, this is one more cut in my wound to, oh, this is kind of interesting that I can actually do without this. And it's fun to see me be able to click those off one by one. You know Exactly. Exactly. And, and also maybe be thinking about the future as well. Like, what's this going to mean for you when we do, because we will get back to the place where you are making your income again, what's it going to mean for you that you know you can live on X amount of money and just think of of the freedom that you're going to get to have. I mean, mm -hmm. that is pretty cool to be yeah. able to think about that. Uh, I, do, I did notice one thing when I was going through that practice, even as haphazardly as I did it, is <laughs> that we never tend to give ourselves credit for what we're not spending. I'm not buying new clothes. I'm not spending gas. I'm not going out. I'm not, but it was almost like those didn't count to me. And we must count those saved resources, right? Absolutely. You have to be counting those. That it, it's, such, it's such a good point. You're not going out to dinner. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I would say is this deprivation will not work. It doesn't work when it comes to dieting. It doesn't work when it comes to budgeting. Yeah. So you have to have a few things in there that are little treats for yourself. Make it something that actually matters to you, that makes a difference. Because I think if you look at your budget, many people will find we're spending lots of money on things that in the long run don't make a huge impact. And if you just had like one or two little luxury things, you won't feel so much deprivation. Mm, I love that. Managing your payments is really hard right now because I don't know about you. I don't have this cozy little relationship with my banker. I bank at a big <laughs> bank. Sitting on hold for an hour to try to talk to somebody in India about my personal situation here yeah. is so maddening. Yeah. And so one of the things I'm asking people is, is this the wake-up call that we do need to move back to community banks and a closer relationship with our, I mean, I think that this might be one of the great benefits of COVID is knowing how important it is to have people manage your yes. life, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You can feel like you get lost in the system and you don't even, you don't want to share this stuff with, yeah. with um, other people. And I would say this is another one of those that burying your head in the sand is not going to help. So talk to your landlord, 
call your credit card companies, call the utilities, make a plan so that you can pay a little bit so that when we get on the other side of this, you're not so in debt and so overwhelmed that you can't ever get out of it. I would start with the people that you do know. So if you know your landlord, start with that person as a practice to say, hey, what can we work out here? Mm -hmm. You know, it's fascinating because I just put together a really comprehensive list of free resources, especially in the Oregon area, um, where people can go get free career counseling. And I'm going to post that on our website when we post this episode as well, because I do think that relying on someone like us who actually have a resource page is a really helpful thing. So be listening to podcasts about finance, be listening to podcasts about keeping your emotional state up. And of course, update that damn resume. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) There are also, you know, we're talking a lot about the the material things when it comes to job loss and financial distress, but there's also a tremendous amount of psychological distress that goes on with that. And maybe it would be helpful to talk about some ways to deal with that as well. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the feeling um, that you lose your uh, identity and self-worth. It's just so overwhelming kind of the double whammy of that is there's this concept called hierarchy of needs and all humans have all of these needs, but we have to get the lower level needs met before we can work on the higher level needs. Yeah. And so if we're working on, oh God, how do I put food on my table and keep my housing? We don't actually get to work on the needs around meaning purpose, and identity. And so it's sort of this double whammy of things. So one of the things that I'm telling people to do is there are two kinds of problems. So there are what I call inside the skin problems and outside the skin problems. Mm -hmm. Outside the skin problems are things in your external world. You don't have a job and you don't have enough money. Mm. For that kind of a problem, you want to use what's called problem-focused coping. That is doing something directly to change the situation, the stressor. Inside the skin problems are painful thoughts, feelings, emotions, loss of identity, loss of meaning. Unfortunately, when we use problem-focused coping on those inside the skin problems, Mm -hmm. it's what we call in ACT experiential avoidance, it actually tends to backfire when we try and avoid or get rid of our painful thoughts and feelings. And more what we need to use is what's called emotion-focused coping, which is really just about how can I help myself be able to cope with and be with these painful thoughts, feelings, and emotions. So describe for me, Jenna, the difference between a problem-focused and an emotion-focused would problem be like, I'm going to clean out the pantry and I'm going to blah, 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 blah. Exactly. That is problem focused. Okay. Emotion exactly. focused is what? Emotion focused is, okay, I can't get rid of the stressor. I can't get rid of the problem because the problem's within me. Yeah. And so I need to do something to be able to manage it, make room for it. Mm. So, you know, it's not going to come as a surprise to you that my one of my very favorite uh, emotion-focused coping strategies is a mindfulness practice yeah. because mindfulness or meditation is really all about helping you pause, notice what you're experiencing, and then allow it to come and go as it naturally will. But things like caring for your body, 
So your body is the vessel that is experiencing these emotions. And if you can care for the vessel, the emotions and the thoughts aren't nearly as damaging. Mm. And so, you know, the big threes we've talked about before, nourish your body, move your body and rest your body. That will help you be able, that's a great emotion focused coping strategy. One of the things we were talking about before we started recording was just how COVID in some ways is the great teacher of mindfulness because so many of us can be okay in this moment if we just say, is this all right? Am I talking with Jenna? Am am I going to be fine? Sure. But are we going to spin out to what happens one year, two years from now? And that's when you really feel your anxiety really, really getting out of control. Absolutely. And it, it was funny. Yeah, before we were recording, Sheila, both you and I were saying, our minds do that all the time. It's exactly what happens. Like my mind goes to, oh my God, what is this going to be like in a year or two years? Yeah. And that's where having practiced that ability to bring yourself back to the present moment and just say, as one of my meditation teachers uh, would say, it's like this right now. And mm-hmm. that is the only thing they would say while we were meditating, just simply, it's like this right now. It may suck right now, but it's only one moment of sucking. And so being able to kind of call yourself back to the present moment is probably number one on the emotion-focused coping strategies that I would suggest. One thing I would say, Sheila, this is not the time to try and go it alone with sitting on your Zafu for 30 minutes meditating. You're going to spend 30 minutes ruminating if you do that. (laughs) (laughs) That's so awesome. It's so true. It's so true. It's true. I mean, I've been meditating for 20 years and I would spend 30 minutes ruminating right now. So (laughs) even for me, I need some structure to it. So Mm -hmm. there's some great apps like Headspace and Insight Timers, two of the most popular ones. But my favorite one right now is this app called 29K. Mm -hmm. It's a free app that um, is based on scientific uh, data about the coping strategies that are most helpful. And it can be personalized to how you're feeling right now and Mm. what skill you're needing to develop right now. And there's also a social connection piece to it if you want as well, to be able to connect with other people who are struggling. Wow. So I really like that app uh, right now. It's called 29K. 29K. Yeah, 29K. 29K, and it's free. Wow, it's just really great. Resource. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, Jenna. Anything else? I love this ending up on the emotional capability of handling economic stress because ultimately that's where it all is, right? Yeah. It's all in how you're viewing it and the things that you're doing to cope with it. One of the interesting conversations that I had the other day was with a friend who said, look, I know right now that I'm drinking more because I got laid off. You know, I sort of gave myself this um, kind of like grace period and and it's working in the short term. But I know if I keep doing that, that that's not a coping mechanism that's (laughs) going to work for the long term. And I do notice more people um, drinking and smoking pot just to deal with the boredom and the length of time that we're in this. But asking ourselves like, is this a coping method that's ultimately going to help in the long term? I think it's a really, really good strategy as well. I, I'm really glad you brought that up um, because a way that I think about it for myself, would this be kind 
it would this be a kind way I would you know want a gift I would want to give to my niece if she were struggling mm. you know and yes it feels great when at the end of a stressful day or I'm anxious I'll have wine and that's fine occasionally but if I think about kind of the long run is that a kind way to treat myself mm. because when you're doing any of these coping strategies, whether they're problem-focused coping or emotion-focused coping, it's really important the posture that you're doing it with. You know, you can get on those budgeting apps and say, damn it, what's wrong with you, Sheila? Why can't you just, you know, figure out your budget? Right. Or there's so many people that have it worse than you. Yeah. Or you can do it from a posture of kindness and self-compassion. Mm. And why would you add more harshness and fear to somebody that's already struggling? Mm, so we really that, need Jenna. to treat ourselves Beautiful. with that kindness as well. So I just kind of think it's probably not kind to, you know, be numbing out in that way. So maybe I won't do it all the time. Yeah. I also just want to leave with a little tale of my own, which was that my own unemployment led me to be able to deepen my own passion and interest in what ultimately became a much better business model for me. And so we can't underestimate the creativity and the ingenuity and the passion that can come out of accepting, as you say, then resolving to, to make things better for ourselves and, and developing daily patterns that support that dream. You know? Absolutely. And that can't happen if you put your head in the sand and just try and hold on. It can only happen when you are present to this moment and you open up and be curious about, okay, it's like this right now. What are the possibilities right now? Mm. I can't tell you just how much better I feel after talking with you for a half an hour, Jenna. I can't imagine that uh, our listeners would have any different experience after that. Thank you so much for being with us again. And if you want those resources that we talked about, it, it's at um, beyondwellwithsheilahamilton.com. Thanks again to the Foundations for Excellence in Mental Health Care and Cedar Hills Hospital. Thanks again, Jenna. Thanks. Nice to see you. Bye.